Our first reading tells the story of Abraham and hospitality uh, that is rendered in uh, uh, one of the most significant virtues we know of from our history uh, of the ancient Near East was hospitality. And uh, we see uh, two stories about it, one in our first reading and one in the gospel. And they have uh, quite a bit of different meanings to them. Uh, with Abraham, he renders hospitality uh, to three strangers. Uh, and uh, uh, it is widely accepted that uh, I'm going to use this term because it's Old Testament. It is Yahweh and uh, to companions. Now, as Christians, we have a pretty good idea <laughs> who the companions are. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Um, and when I think about that, and, and this is happening with Abraham, uh, and we see the Trinity, even though it's, uh, there's no mention and nothing says Trinity, uh, but uh, we gather uh, bec uh, that um, because one of them says, when I return to you in one year's time, your wife will have a son. And so the hospitality Abraham renders is uh, blessed with good news. Good news of what? Good news of life, for especially for Abraham. Uh, and we know that the, the Lord and giver of life is the Holy Spirit. Well, this is how biblical scholars come to. Uh, and it's amazing to me to think that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit showed up <laughs> together. Abraham has no idea. And I thought, my, that was a blazing example of the Holy Trinity. Uh, they just popped in like that. Um, my friends, uh, as we're told in our gospel, is another story of hospitality. We're told about Martha and Mary. They are sisters, and their brother is Lazarus, and they lived in Bethany near Jerusalem, and Jesus knew them well, and he uh, and, uh, likely stayed at their home often on his way to and from Jerusalem. Uh, we know Lazarus was a friend of Jesus. As a matter of fact, we are told that Jesus loved him. And um, so it's safe to assume that, um, in this case, that Lazarus was also a disciple of the Lord, as then would be Martha and Mary. Now, we're told a story on one of the visits of the Lord um, this um, time uh, that something different is happening. And... Uh, this story, I have to put it into context, this story is happening right after the parable of the Good Samaritan. And likely today's story happens uh, the way it's placed by uh, Luke uh, so that we can have some balance uh, about the teaching we found in the Good Samaritan parable by Jesus. We are told about Martha. She is very busy uh, preparing a meal for everyone who's in the house and uh, Martha, of the two sisters, is uh, very forward, uh, um, dominant, if you will, uh, <laughs> outgoing, <laughs> uh, opinionated <laughs> would be a better word. And we are to understand this in a very positive light, not in a negative light. And she is concerned with the very uh, Jewish virtue of hospitality that I spoke of, uh, particularly uh, right around Abraham. And she is also fully aware of the requirements that this hospitality demands for her guest, and perhaps especially so because the rabbi, Jesus, is there. Nevertheless, our gospel drops the hint that Martha went, very, went too far uh, regarding the legitimate concerns of hospitality uh, to the point where she became fussy 
about it. Because um, we're noted that uh, Jesus says, you're burdened with many things. Um, so that means she got all bent out of shape, too, <laughs> um, about what her sister. In all likelihood, um, what was necessary was a simple meal uh, on this occasion. We're t whenever it's something extraordinary, uh, we're told it was the Sabbath. It was on the occasion of. And this is just Jesus is in their house. So um, a simple meal would, would have sufficed um, for the requirements of Jewish hospitality um, because it was an informal occasion. Uh, but Martha was not going to have any of it. Um, all her fussing and fretting, uh, like I said, made her cranky um, because she interrupts our Lord. <laughs> yeah. You remember I told you how I see the scriptures when I read them. I see almost a movie in my head being played. And um, I see her storming out of the kitchen. And <laughs> she interrupts Jesus <laughs> as he's talking. Uh, uh, and she speaks to him and Mary, who is listening attentively to the rabbi. And uh, Martha, it does seem that she scolds both of them. When she says, Lord, don't you care that my sister is doing nothing? No, I'm going to ad-lib them. She's doing nothing but sitting there. Um, tell, her, um, tell her to help me. Um, so you can see, she's talking to Jesus. <laughs> she's scolding him. And at the same time, scolding her sister. And we're told of the Lord's response. He tells Martha that she is troubled about many things and about a whole bunch of details. Um, but not concerned about one thing that is necessary in that moment. The better part, Jesus calls it. On the other hand, the better part is Mary's only concern. Because I want to look at Mary also. Mary's only concerned about this better part. Well, she doesn't know that's what Jesus is calling it at the time. But um, our Lord says that it shall not be taken from her. So we would want to know what is the better part. Well, my friends, uh, traditional exegesis on this gospel says that Martha represents the activity of ministry in the church. She represents good works, uh, and Mary represents prayer and contemplative aspects of the church. And then uh, it'll go further because the Lord seems to select the contemplative uh, over the active life. However, uh, after our Lord's parable of the Good Samaritan, we would do well and to be very careful not to make that assumption. I know many scholars do, and I'm not as smart as they are, but uh, we need to be very careful because the Good Samaritan parable was just given, and that was about action, wasn't it? Do something. Do something kind. And this story seems to be telling the opposite of it. Um, putting it into its context is very important. What you need to know, our Lord is on his way to the holy city of Jerusalem. He will not be returning to Bethany again. The hour of his suffering and his passion and his death is at hand. And given what we know about his time in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, we can surmise that our Lord is under great duress. Remember in the Garden, uh, his anxiety it's so funny because he tells Martha, you've got all kinds of anxiety. And yet, uh, in the garden, uh, we are told that his anxiety is so high that he actually, his sweat turns to blood. 
So um, I am very comfortable saying that while he is in the house, uh, he is just coming from, and you know where he's going, that um, he is under great duress. And it is likely visible to everyone around him that something is disturbing our Lord. And Martha is absorbed so much in the details of the meal and at the distraction of the hospitality, uh, she does not recognize what's happening. And to be quite frank, neither of uh, these things are of a great importance to our Lord in this moment, the meal, the requirement uh, for hospitality. I'm safe telling you that I don't think Jesus cared in that moment about it. But Mary seems to understand something that Martha's missing. She sits at our Lord's feet listening to him speak. What is he saying? We're not told what he's saying. Is he talking about another parable? Is he speaking, uh, is he expressing uh, just kind words to her? Or could it be that he's actually expressing to her what is about to happen in Jerusalem to him? His sacrifice. Mary listens with what we can presume is sensitive understanding and compassionate love. See, this is my point. Martha is so busy she doesn't see that Jesus is troubled to his heart about something. But Martha picked up on it. Something's wrong. I'm going to sit with you. Tell me. Tell me. Tell me, Rabbi, what bothers you? That is also hospitality in one of its greatest forms, to just sit and to listen to somebody. This is the better part that Jesus is talking about in that moment. And Mary has chosen it. She has recognized it. It is a form of hospitality and attention Jesus needs in that hour. He does not need a meal. I say this considering that the world's Savior, Jesus Christ, the messenger of God's great love, spoke his words to the world, and his message fell mainly on deaf ears. Nobody paid attention to him. He called humanity to share in his divine life. He offered it. And humanity mostly declined. And the Son of God is left standing in immense isolation. And we will know this when he is on the cross. And he asks his father, why have you left me alone? Mary then is the example of the great exception of the world's disinterest in the Son of God. She chooses the better part. She is our model for listening to the word of God and listening to the pain of Christ in the pain of others. This is what St. Paul is getting at in the second reading. People misunderstand 
They always come to us. Oh, what does it mean that he was making up for what Jesus was lacking in suffering? Go back and read it again. St. Paul is talking about Christ the church, not Christ who's hanging on the cross. So here we have Mary listening to our Lord's pain. And at the time, same time, showing us how we are to listen to the pain of others and responding appropriately with all the attentive love that a human heart can muster. I suppose in the end, the tale is trying to tell us know what to do and when to do it and act appropriately in all those things. I base this on the fact that the Good Samaritan parable was given just before this. And there, Jesus says, understand the law, apply it properly, do what is right and appropriate in that time. When Jesus told Martha, she has chosen the better part, that was not a total dish on her. Because in that statement, he recognizes the goodness of Martha. It just wasn't the right time. What he needed was, and he didn't, it didn't say, and he told her, stop what you're doing in the kitchen and come and sit at my feet. What he needed was someone to listen to him. Finally, and Mary did that. Amen. I'll use the words that Jesus used last week. Go and do likewise.